0: Well, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be now and always acceptable to you, Lord God, our strength and our redeemer. I don't suppose all of you know who I am, do you? Well, I've lived um, in Macquarie Fields since last century. November 99, and um, we went to uh, Glen Quarry Church and then we came over here. Uh, I'm a retired hospital chaplain from St George Hospital. Uh, Oh, my goodness me, that was a long time ago now. Um, Retired, I think, 2004. Before that, I was rector of Mortdale, and before that I had three parishes out west of the mountains, um Rylston, Kiel and Warren, if you know where they are. So uh that's a little bit of my history. Now in the in the um commentary I had of by uh, on Philippians by Stuart Briscoe, um he called his book Bound for Joy and is divided up the chapter into three sections. Verses 1 to 7 he calls reality Christianity. Verses 8 to 11, getting to know Christ better. And 12 to 21, follow me. Now in these opening verses of chapter 3, Paul is concerned to make a clear distinction between what is real and what is phony which is why he brings up the practice of circumcision. Of course, in the old, pra- uh, old Covenant, this practice established a relationship between God and his people who were to be used by God to bless the world. However, with the coming of Christ, a new covenant is established where the need for circumcision is no longer necessary. This caused disagreement as there were those who maintained circumcision was still necessary. Paul warns against those who want to mutilate the flesh, as he calls it in verse 2, and not to put any confidence in his practice, but rather embrace a spiritual circumcision, on which I quote, opens the ears to hear God's word, opens the mouth to speak God's message, and opens the heart to be rid of hardness and rebellion. Now to achieve this, we need to rejoice in the Lord, as the opening verse said. And you'll hear it again in chapter 4 next week. Rejoice (coughs) in the Lord always. (coughs) And again I say rejoice. I don't know whether any of you can remember the tune that was set to those words. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Anyone on this side know it? Well, why don't we sing it as a round, eh? <laughs> this side will start, and then I'll bring you in. I oh, know, ready? Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say always. rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord and again, rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Well, that wasn't too bad. Sing <laughs> as Master of the Years since you've sung it. And of course, Nehemiah says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. That one sent me. What? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Is that how it went? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the mini revival in the 70s and 80s brought out a lot of tunes, the scripture verses, and um, that was some of them. Some of them were very good. However, the challenge of these words is to rejoice in the Lord even in times of trouble, of trauma or difficulties or hardship. And I'll return to that later. So how are we to rejoice? Firstly, to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, to completely open to the plans God has for our lives, how he wants to use us, so our life is completely open to Christ, nothing hidden, from whom no secrets are hidden, as the prayer of preparation and the communion service says, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. Then to accept his love, his unconditional divine love, for he is a relational being. We are relational. We believe we are made in God's image. So there is no way a divine being could make relational beings without himself being relational. One God as our Heavenly Father, we know him through Jesus our Saviour and through the work of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. And some people may think, God could easily love others but not love me. Well, to overcome this, one writer suggests that we see ourselves at the crucifixion of Jesus. He's about to die. We've seen the experience and the agony, the pain and the horror that Jesus has gone through being crucified. We approach him and ask the question, did you do this for me? Then as you listen carefully, you will hear Christ say in barely a whisper, yes, I did this for you. Can there be a greater love than what God has done through Christ? This can counter the attitude of low self-esteem which many, including myself, have had to battle with. No one is excluded from God's unconditional love. And this is why we can rejoice in the Lord always and avoid any confidence in the flesh. And he goes on listing what who he's been uh, in verses four to six. And then in verse seven Paul says he counts a more loss for the sake of Christ. Reality Christianity. Now, Stuart Briscoe talks <coughs> about a boy falling out of bed. His mother asks him, how did this happen? He replied, I stayed too close to where I got in. And Briscoe maintains that uh, many Christians may be like that, satisfied their sins forgiven, reservation for heaven confirmed and then stay where they are. Where they got in, there is no further growth, no progress in their Christian faith. Joe said last week in verse chapter 2, verse 12, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Paul was eager for more, to know Christ better which he sums up in verse 8, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. So in doing that, we need to build up our knowledge of Jesus, his validity, his relevance, unique son of God, Only way to the Father and will be our final judge. And then to this must come our personal response as we accept Jesus as my Lord, not the Lord, my Lord, which is a response of faith and trust. To commit your life to him, he will transmit his life and his Lordship to you. A unique personal oneness and unity between you and Christ. Now, this is the introduction to know Christ better and to build on that, we need time with him through the scriptures, having time each day to read part of the Bible. Use prepared Bible reading notes, which I'm sure you're aware of them and I hope you're using them. And I've just finished, I've had it for years, but the print was pretty small, so I put off reading it, but it's a book on holiness And when I started to read, it was very easy to read by Bishop Ryle, Anglican Bishop of Liverpool, and he wrote it in 1879. It's still pertinent today, but he was saying, read the Bible and particularly the Gospels. Come to grips with all the things that are in the Gospels and through that you will know Jesus better. Prayer. He's talking to God, telling him everything you want to get off your chest and even if you're angry with him, well, he can take it. He's big enough. Pray for others as well as spend time being quiet in his presence. Listen to what God may be saying using the words of Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. How much of this aspect of prayer is used? Perhaps not as much as it should. And then there's another quote. It takes trust to release trustworthiness, faith (coughs) to realise faithfulness. (coughs) Without these things in the Christian life, a Christian can never learn personally these aspects of Christ's life. So what Paul is saying, I'm going to go on talking and trusting and spending time with my Lord, knowing full well that as I do, I will get to know him more and more as days go by. (laughs) I'm going to share with you some of the things I do, or I've just been doing recently. Uh, If you think I'm mad, that's okay. Um, But imagining that as I read the Gospels, I'm there. I'm witnessing what's going on. And then in my imagination, I have these two characters who talk to each other about uh, what the, what Jesus is doing, what their response should be. I've called them Bill and Bob, rather than some of the Old Testament names or Artaxerxes or Zerubbabel, right? And um, here is a conversation in my imagination, as they met, with one of them coming from watching Christ who had just confronted the Pharisees. One asks, Where have you been? Where have I been? I've just witnessed Jesus taking on the Pharisees. What do you mean, taking on the Pharisees? He told them their father was the devil. He what? Oh, you don't go around telling the Pharisees that. I know what's happened. After feeding the crowd the other week, it's gone to his head. No, no, look, there's more. He then said they were liars. Oh, goodness me, you don't go around telling the Pharisees things like that. I tell you, he's had it, his goose is cooked after saying that. Never mind what you think. You were not there to see his appearance, to look on his face, the sternness, the authority with which he spoke. The Pharisees were furious with him, but they seemed helpless to do anything. And then he said something to make us think. Yeah, what was that? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Well, oh, for goodness sake, what did God tell Moses to say to the people of Israel? God is the I am who I am. Moses was to say to the Israelites, the I am has sent me. In other words, Jesus must be identifying himself with the I am of Moses' time because he said before Abraham was, I am. You mean Jesus could be the one we've been waiting for all these centuries? Well, it looks like to me, but we need to be sure So I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. It's up to you whether you want to stay here and say his goose is cooked or are you coming with me to find out for ourselves who Jesus really is. All right, I'm with you. Good. Come on. He's just gone down the road. If we hurry, we can catch him up. did do people ever talk like that. (laughs) Well, they may. I don't know. But in my imagination, just meditating on this, that's the conversation that came out. And then there was a short one over Christmas where they met at Bethlehem and one said to the other, well, whereabouts is this special baby? He's in a stable. There's no place for a baby. Well, there's nowhere else to put him. But a stable might pong. Well, I don't know about that. But I'm sure when he becomes a man, he will face far more difficult situations in his life than a Pongy stable. And of course he did. See, that's me and my imagination, but it's really helping me draw out what's important there. How many of you climbed a tree in your youth? Oh, yes, just as many as eight (laughs) o'clock. Who was up the tree? Zacchaeus. Well I imagine I was up the tree. And Jesus came along and said, John, goodness me, come down. What are you doing up there? Come down out of the tree. I want to go home with you. Oh wow, Jesus coming home with me to have a talk. He won't be talking about the cricket or the weather. You'll be talking about the kingdom of God. Well, so there we are. This is my way of wanting to know Jesus better in my imagination and now these two characters and I can't shut them up. They're talking about the crucifixion and then the resurrection. And the other day I'm at Campbelltown station waiting for the train to come through, my son said come down for the day to Canberra. (laughs) They start talking about the Trinity. And the one's wanting to ask the questions and the other's trying to answer them. But the one who had to answer didn't have all the answers that satisfy the one asking the question. So I've got to go and read a bit about the Trinity now to, to get it all worked out. Okay, I'm not saying everyone has to do it. I'm just sharing this is what's helped me. Now this brings us to verse 10. To know Christ and the power of his resurrection and of course there is no resurrection without a crucifixion. No empty turn unless there's been a cross. To die with Christ, that is, to our old self-centred, selfish life and rise with Christ to a new set free life directed by the power of the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need to know Christ better. In the remaining verses 12 to 21, we see how Paul endeavours to follow Christ. He has warnings. All have to choose between two natures the earthy because of our human birth and through being born again as heaven people, for our citizenship is in heaven. This is where difficulties can arise as those who choose simply to be on earth to be earth people follow a different approach to life entirely. Paul warns to be on guard against purely sensual appetite in verse nineteen whose God is the stomach and they glory in their shame. In verse 17, Paul gives himself as an example to follow. When we go back to verse 12, Paul says, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. On the road to Damascus, Paul was stopped in his tracks. Christ stopped him to save him and use him to spread the gospel. Christ stopped him, saved him, then started him all over again in a totally new direction, to be what he had never been and to do what he had never done. He was possessed by Christ and he looked back to that day when Christ took hold of him. And to that we balance verse 13, where he then says, forgetting what is behind So do not continually dwell on that. Although, of course, Satan wants us to dwell on the past. He wants to remind us of our past failures. But they're being confessed, forgiven and dealt with forever. The past is the past, the present is here and that is where we live. So straining towards what is ahead, he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus, in verse 14. The prize is not a gold medal, but it is to be with Christ now and for all eternity. What a prize. In the meantime, we face life with its ups and downs, success and failures, joys and disappointments, health and sickness, life and death. There are many painful experiences to go through, And Christ is there to be with us in whatever we have to face. Emmanuel, Christ with us, or more accurately, Christ in it with us. With my wife, June, in a nursing home because of Alzheimer's disease, there were some issues that had to be faced. How to cope with living independently after 52 years of married life. I said one day to God, Father, June is your daughter before she is my wife. So let us look after her together. A peace seemed to flood over me as if the floodgates had been opened and God had been waiting for me to say this so he could enter my pain and be in it with me. And he has. I quite often like to quote Selwyn Hughes, the writer every day with Jesus' Bible notes. He says, The Son of God entered this world of pain and suffering, wore our flesh, measured its frailty, grew and struggled with the same problems with which we struggle. He's able to enter into our condition because he has been in our condition. Always remember, you were dear enough to God for the Saviour to be born. Finally, our Christian hope in verse 21, He will transform our lowly bodies so that they be like his glorious body to enjoy heaven, clothed in our resurrected body where there is no more Alzheimer's, disease or cancer, ill health, pain, suffering or death. They have all passed away and life is perfect with Christ in heaven. This is our Christian hope and faith which Paul encourages us to follow. No other faith has such a message. No other faith has such a saviour. Isn't Christ worth committing our lives to and following him unconditionally, rejoicing in our salvation? The choice is ours. What will it be? Father God, we pray that we will be always open to grow more fully and grow in greater understanding of who you are and what you have done, that we may be more effective witnesses for your purposes and to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.